Yo, what up, what up? It's K Nick here. Bruh. With the Boz. Bozzy. You should be a pop singer. Or like a, a children's singer, like <laughs> kids' YouTube videos. Like a blippy? Yeah. You're like Bozzy? <laughs> <laughs> no, right. no, no, no. Blippy is creepy. <sighs> oh my gosh, Steven, I totally lost my train of thought here. Give me one second here. And with that, we'll call it to a close game. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't think it's coming back to you. We got them. This is a series, a series for financial advisors. We offer easy to implement marketing and practice management advice. This is the Stephen and Kevin Show. Welcome back, everybody. Episode number 95 of the Stephen and Kevin Show. Glad to be back with you. Today, a fun topic. Yeah, today we're going to talk about how to convert a social contact into a business opportunity and how to do it without ruining relationships. I happen to think this is like some of our most valuable advice. Oh, then let's not give it away. Oh uh, yeah, so for this episode only, it's $9.95. <laughs> uh, but no, I do, I think it's like, it's one of those that's universal. If you're brand new in the business and like you're still farming your natural network, this is valuable. If you're a veteran of all veterans and you've got super wealthy contacts, it's even more valuable. Yeah, it's one, of the, it's one of the most common calls that we get. I mean, if a, an advisor is interested in our coaching program, Subtle Plug, and they call in and they're, they're asking us questions about it, they usually say, I have some contacts. I have some people that I know, and I'd like to broach the business conversation, but how do I go about doing that? Yeah, and I think the reason why there are so many questions about this when some other areas are cut and dry is because there's a lot of risk here. Mm -hmm. You know, and we don't want to get hung up on the negative today. We're not going to talk at length today about what could happen if this goes wrong. Ooh, I think we should. But uh, yeah, maybe we will. Yeah, but it, but it can go wrong, right? Yeah. We've all we've all experienced that a sales pitch go wrong. So uh, today we'll address, I guess, the good and the bad. We'll talk about some situations that you might often encounter that are ripe for social prospecting. Yeah. Maybe Kevin, uh, like let's start by defining what do we mean by social contacts? Like who's on the list of people that we could be approaching? Yeah, I think it's really, it's anyone that you know socially, it's pretty broad. So it could be a neighbor, it could be your, your old friend, your old colleague, it could be someone you know from a networking group. And I think a lot of advisors, when we talk about this topic, they immediately go to, oh, social prospecting, I need to, what groups do I need to join? That's not always the case, right? It could be someone from your club. Um, it could be from a networking group, absolutely, but it doesn't always have to be like a business networking group, a BNI or something along those lines. Yeah, to me, I think those often end up on the bottom of the list. Yeah, I agree. Like when we get to, in a typical webinar, we get to the Q&A and somebody's asking questions right out of the gate about, what business networking group should I be part of? I'm like, I think we missed the mark today, yeah. right? Because you've got a much better chance of making good connections and converting business if you're naturally meeting people, mm -hmm. not in some kind of a forced arrangement. Plus, you know, depending upon the size client that you're targeting, they're not always going to be at a more business networking type function. That's true. And yeah, and also a lot of times like, guards are up at those events. So people know that they're there to network and, and there's networking going on and people are selling. And so it feels not as natural as opposed to finding more of an affinity style group, like a group where it's, I remember an advisor who joined a watch club, right? Uh, he was really into watches. He said, I have the cheapest watch at this watch club, but you know. Timex. Uh, yeah, exactly. But he said, I really love watches. Uh, or I, you know, an advisor I worked with for years prospected through cycling. Right? He's really into cycling, that's his thing. And he met a lot of people that way. And it's a matter of converting them, but doing it naturally and, and, and 
building rapport with them first, not just pitching. Right? Yeah. So, you know, as we get into the beginning part of today's podcast, let's talk first about where you might get involved. And it's, it's it really is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. But we want some qualifiers to be there. Number one, you want this group to be filled with people who have money. Has to have an affluent member base. Right. I mean, otherwise you're there. Maybe your prospecting skills are on point, but you're converting people who don't have a need for your services. Yeah. Second is that it needs to meet regularly, right? It cannot be that we are, you know, meeting once a year. Like that's not enough FaceTime or time, you know, to really build relationships with people. Or, and we use the term meet very loosely here. True. It's not like there's a formal meeting. I mean, if you play a lot of tennis, you can be up there two or three times a week and seeing people that you'd like to have as clients. Yeah. But that's the kind of interaction we're talking about. Somewhere that you can go and get a lot of exposure to people knowing that it's a pretty slow moving process. If, if I only see you once a quarter, how quickly can I advance that relationship to a point to where it's natural to talk business? It's going to take some time. I it's mean, going to take years. The example I was, I was sharing with you earlier about the advisor who is part of the, the cycling groups, there's actually a whole Slack group for his cycling club. So they, he was on Slack constantly with them, you know, just messaging and sending links and sharing ideas. And yeah, so it's so it's not always, I guess to your point is, I mean, it doesn't always have to be FaceTime. Like it, does, it can be just interaction of some sort. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, as you think about, uh, you know, from the consumer side of things, let's say that you're a member of this cycling group. Would you rather work with a financial advisor who you know really well, you've grinded it out, going up all the hills in town, like, you know this person. Mm-hmm. Would you rather work with them or somebody who cold called you, right. who found you through some kind of messaging campaign? You don't trust them, you don't know them. Right. We did some research on, I think one of the biggest hangups with this topic is, you know, some people say, well, I don't work with friends, right? We did some research on that. We asked um, the affluent, you know, does it hinder your willingness to work with someone based on like if you're friends with them or not? And it was pretty interesting. Was it was I think it was around seventy five percent who said that it did not or it enhanced their willingness to to work with someone. Yeah, I think the friend uh, does matter. You know, yeah, like you can think of friends of yours who you think are great people. You have a good time with them, but you wouldn't give them a dime to manage. That's, that's a good point, right? So I, I think that part we should be able to get by. Like today, if we say, you know what. For those of you out there who are involved in the community, who've got good contacts and you want to convert them, we can solve for that. Mm-hmm. You know, with the caveat that if you are uh, the class clown or the the one that people just, you know, don't look at in the highest of regards. Right. Like fun to be around, but not necessarily the most trustworthy, then, you know, we may still have a problem. We may still have to work backwards on this one. Yeah, I mean, going back to that stat, though, so that would mean that 25% said that it is an issue. It is like a legitimate concern. But that can't be your, I mean, you can't play those odds, right? Like you, you can't let, you know, let that get too much into your head because mentally you're just going to, you're not going to go for it, right? If you start thinking, gosh, well, Stephen, he probably just doesn't want to work with friends. Like I'm not going to approach Stephen. Well, if you have that mentality, you also have a number of other mentalities and I'll guarantee it. If you're, if you're actively thinking, well, maybe I shouldn't approach this person because, you know, people don't like to work with friends. You're probably also the one saying, you know, this person, they probably already have a financial advisor. This person probably doesn't have enough money or has too much money. This person knows what I do and they'll come to me when the timing is right. I hear that one all the time. When they're ready, they know what I do, they'll come to me. And just in general, we're gonna be waiting a long time if that's if that's the mentality. Yeah, and, and if we are in some ways reluctant to prospect, if you're out there and you're thinking, ah, gosh, this is a little scary for me, we'll come up with a lot of excuses why right. it doesn't make sense. Right why I don't want to be seen as salesy, why people will think differently of me. 
but you know, when, when we speak about social prospecting, if we were to engage an audience on this, we would say right out of the gate, we do this not because you know, we at Oxley have this passion for social prospecting. We do it because when you study the best in the business, this is part of their game plan. Yeah. And guess what? They're not ostracized from the community. People like them. They have friends. Yeah. And so some of that comes down to the techniques that we're going to talk through today of being able to do this with good energy, with a smile, and not being off-putting. Yeah, we uh, we did a focus group, um, and, and we do we do a lot of online surveys, obviously, you know, researching affluent investors and and advisors. But we did a focus group of advisors, and I remember this. This was a few years back, and they were saying things like, "Look, all all I do is social prospecting. It's everything to my business." Right? There was so many good sound bites out of it, and it was a group that brought in. 42 million in net new assets over a 12 month period. So it's a group worth listening to. Like that was their average each individually. Um, so we know it's done. We know we know advisors are doing it. Some are doing it successfully. It's just a matter of, of their approach. And like you said, Stephen, they do it with a twinkle in their eye and a smile. Yeah. So uh, as we get into this, know that we're going to cover some skill sets today that uh, you'll find some level of comfort in. Like we yeah. don't want this to be super salesy. It is totally possible to do this without being salesy and we will get there. But uh, as we're kind of winding up for that, uh, let's talk about the kinds of people that you should approach. So let's say that I'm involved in a, a cycling group. Uh, who there is uh, someone that I should approach about doing business and who there is someone maybe that I should not? You know, is there a certain number of interactions that are prerequisites? Is there, uh, well, what is it, Kevin, in your mind? Three. Three interactions, Stephen. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but that's that's a question that we get sometimes, and we've heard advisors say that before, right? Like, okay, after my third interaction, that's when I go for it. I'm like, no, that's not it. It's like it's such an art form, right? And we have to feel like that we built enough enough rapport with them to a point where when I do broach that subject, it's not totally off putting. Um, from a coaching standpoint, if I were on a coaching call with an advisor who was saying, hey, I have these contacts and these are the people that I'm thinking about approaching. Am I ready to approach them? What I would typically do in that scenario is I would ask the advisor, well, tell me about them. Mm -hmm. Like, tell me, you know, uh, what's their spouse's name? What's their kid's names? What do they do for fun? Where do they go to school? Uh, like, I would just start asking questions, probing questions. And if the advisor really had little to no answers for a lot of those questions, then we're not there yet. Like, we need, there's a little bit of, of work that needs to be done first. Yeah, and as we've talked about, people have a lot of options for financial advisors. Most people with money know a lot of financial advisors. Sure. So you're not typically gonna work with somebody you've just met. I mean, you've got a lot of other people that are in consideration for that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, generally speaking, that's not so much the industry issue. Like- Of, knowing, we, of knowing when to approach? I would say the, in, the issue across the industry is not jumping the gun and pitching too early, but never doing it at all. That's it, yeah. Like, uh, the, the people who do that stick out to us. Like we've mm -hmm. worked with plenty of them over the years and they stick out to you, they're memorable characters and you can bet they go to a function, they've got an absolute pocket full of business cards yeah. and they are throwing them out to anybody who'll catch one. Yeah. I mean, that's the person who's got their one or two liners, they're hitting up everybody for business. Right. And we remember them because they're kind of characters, it's 2% of the industry maybe, no. who just are assertive salespeople. And most everybody else, I mean, it's, it's kind of like you're either wired to be that person or you're not. There's no developing that persona. <laughs> like, like I'm not going to turn into that that person, right? Over, yeah. Yeah, unless you had some kind of weird mental breakdown, you know, <laughs> like you're not coming back in a month and being like, I agree. 
pushy salesperson. Per, it's usually you know. the person who says like, gosh, I'm, I'm really good at building relationships. I've built a ton of relationships up, but I'm so afraid of, of ruining these friendships that I'm not going to make that approach. So our push for many people out there today is, let's get up, let's work up to 25% more assertiveness. Mm -hmm. Let's add in another, you know, one liner or two that might make us feel uncomfortable at first, but says to the other person, I have interest in working with you. Yeah, I, you I, agree, I, I totally agree, I totally agree. And it, so what we're talking about kind of here initially in these early phases is the mental side of it. Like this is a mental game. Like we, we have to say, you know what, I'm gonna be a little bit more assertive, that's okay. Like a little bit more, I'm not gonna get, you know, become another person, right? But also I'm going to try, I'm gonna get comfortable with the idea of approaching my social contacts and understanding that I might get rejected, right? I might get some people who just blow me off or are not interested, but how we respond in those scenarios is gonna make a big difference, right? Like. Are we are we we're the ones who are who's going to make it feel salesy or make it feel awkward? Yeah. So on one hand, you don't want to spend a lot of time envisioning the worst case scenario here because right. the worst case is unlikely. But on the other hand, when you go into that conversation knowing that the worst case scenario isn't that bad, yeah, and that you can trust in your own skills to get out of the conversation. So let's say hypothetically, you're my neighbor, and I come to you. I'm a financial advisor, and I say to you, Kevin, I've always you know, wanted to have this conversation with you. I'd love to work with you. Uh, would you be open to a conversation? Let's say that you're like. <laughs> No, no, or you know, whatever it is, whatever your, your <laughs> you're, way You're trying of, to think about the worst possible scenario. Or you just are like, you get a little awkward and squirmy. Can, I, can, about, I, can I tell you a real world scenario here? So I, I, had, I had a coaching client who approached someone that he knew socially about business and she just went blank. She said nothing. She just stared at him. He gave her a, hey, I'd love to sit down with you, blah, blah, blah. And she just stared at him blankly. And I thought, I said, you know, Dan, that's probably the worst case scenario. He said, I didn't know what to do. I said, he's like, so I just changed the subject. Yeah, I, I think that's what you did. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's it. And, and whether or not they were, I mean, most people are going to respond, but even if they respond with a negative, <laughs> you still change the subject. Right. Like we're beyond the days of trying to overcome those objections. Agreed. Right. So yeah, hey, you're watching the game this weekend. Yeah, you exactly. Went out for a ride next he, he said, I literally sat there and I thought, did she not hear me? Should I repeat myself? You know? But, uh, but he just he, said it louder. Would you like to get together? And she's like, oh boy. But in general, like, that's probably one of the worst case scenarios. Most likely you're either gonna get a yes or a, you know, I'll get back to you, which could end up being a no in some way. But still, you know, you're not gonna get someone who laughs in your face. So we have to kind of get over that, right? We, 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 we can't think about or dwell about these worst case scenarios. Yeah, because guess what? Some of them are going to happen. It's not that big of a deal. Right. We'll, we'll move on. So when you think about uh, like what situations are perfect for this, like if you were brand new in the business, you would have probably started with a natural network. You probably put these people on paper and we're going to go after them. Well, a lot of people get out of that habit over time. Mm -hmm. And we would recommend that we always have a living, breathing list of people that you'd like to approach at some point in the near future. We call it an approach list. Very creatively named. Yeah. But these are a list of people that, you know, for one reason or another, you think they'd make a good client and you want to have that conversation with them. Right. So what do you do? Do you put them on your drip newsletter? No. You have a conversation with them. And the question to me is not if or, or you know whether or not that conversation should happen. It is what's the most natural way for that to happen. Right. And there's, there's di yes, I love that. And there's different ways to go about approaching it. Um, one of my personal favorite ones is using relatable stories. So this approach would be, I'm sitting down with Steven, who's a good friend of mine, a business owner in the community, and I'd love to talk business, but we just don't, nothing comes up. 
So I would start sharing with Steven, like almost like in a way I'm venting or just sharing what I'm doing on my day to day. And I'd be sitting down with him and I'd, you know, at lunch and I'd be saying, yeah, I just met with this business owner, really interesting. We're talking about succession planning and blah, blah, blah. Like I would just start sharing some stories and I would see kind of his response. And if he says, oh, what do you tell him? Do you work with a lot of people in that scenario? Like what's, you know, that's when I, I would use that as an opportunity to kind of reel him in. But I love relatable stories. I think, I think that's something you could start doing right now. It's like you already have a handful of stories that you, you have clients that have gone through a lot of different situations, experiences, start telling other people about it anonymously, of course, right? Like, so you're not revealing, you know, contact information or, you're, but these are real stories and you start giving people an insight into what you do on a day-to-day -day basis because I would bet that a lot of them don't know fully what you do. I agree. And I love that concept. We've talked a lot about this topic over the years, but I think one, one thing I took away from that was we're almost looking at this sequentially, that if, you, if you're a person who feels a little bit uncomfortable in saying to somebody, I'd like to work with you, right? then the walk before we run approach is to just let people in more often as to what you're doing Tell us day to day. Is. Like, let's, yeah. let's give ourselves permission to talk about our business a little bit more often, mm, even including good. some stories. That's good. And so even if you had that mantra, even if you, and I don't agree with this mantra, but if you had that mantra that says, people know what I do, they'll come to me if they need me, right. that might happen a little bit more often if we're willing to tell our stories. I think so, and telling relatable stories. So, you know, if I'm meeting with Steven, a business owner, I would tell a little story about another business owner. If I'm meeting with someone who is, uh, went, recently went through a divorce, I might share you know, a story about a client who recently went through a divorce. But it's just, you know, it needs to feel relatable in some way. Yeah, so yeah. Um, first tip out of the gate today, start that approach list and let's start sharing some stories. Yeah. Now, there are other times where, and, and this, this could go for a big chunk of your list. And if you haven't made your list of people to approach it, pause this, put it, put it down on paper. I yeah. bet you come up with more people than you realize. But as we start to go through that list, there are some people on that list who need the polar opposite approach. Mm -hmm. They need you to be direct, yeah. right? Uh, either based on their personality type or based on just how long you've known them, the fact that they are absolutely teed up, ready to talk with you. And for those people, we wanna be more direct. Yeah, so like, you're, I like that. So like, if you're thinking about personality styles and we're looking at like a DISC assessment, right? So someone who's more of a D or a driver personality, we might just have to, to lay it out there. You know, put the, the skunk on the table, right? That's a Southern expression, but. I, you, you used it nicely. Um, you know, and, and when you're thinking about what, how does somebody who's got a high D personality respond? They, re, they respond well to being challenged mm -hmm. by people being direct with them. And they're turned off by storytelling. They're yeah. turned off by too many details. That's true. You know, so if you're approaching somebody who's high in the D category, you might be uh, like driver. Steven. Steven is a, is a, a D. It's a superior personality trait. <laughs> uh, hey, one personality is not better than another. Hey, Matt, so. for the record, Matt is a far more of a D than I am. Okay. Uh, driver. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, when when approaching him, yeah. your best bet would not to be get into some a ton of details about how you manage money. Your best Definitely bet would not. be like, hey, Matt, we're probably better than your advisor. You ought to be talking to us. We ought to be working together. Because he'd be like, oh, yeah? You know, he might not work with you, but he would respect the approach. That's true. Right? So, um, and, I, and I think... You know, as you work through that approach list, think about the most natural way to approach people, not based on your own style. Think about this. If, if Matt was the financial advisor and he's got a driver personality, would he want to go with that approach with everybody? No. He would do it to some people. He would approach you like that, Kevin, and you'd be like, this guy is, is too intense. He's too direct. I don't want that. What I would probably do, 
being more of a you know an S you know person S S I personality styles, I would say. I'd probably be like, hey, I'd probably just put him off. Hey, I need to talk to Michelle about this. Which is a no. And, and then I would <laughs> never follow up. Like, right. And, but I, absolutely, it would be a no for me because that's, but the relatable story approach for me, perfect, right? Yeah. And then I'll come to you. Like, I'll, I will seek you out, right? Yeah, anyway. so this is, like, so far what we're talking about are, are ways to approach people kind of out of thin air. Yeah. You know, that if I'm going through that list and I'm thinking, you know, Kevin, I know through, uh, I see him and his family at the pool a lot. Uh, next time I see him, I'm gonna share a story with him. Or next yeah. time I see him, I'm just gonna lay it out to him. Wait till he's had a couple drinks in him and I'm gonna say, hey, Kevin, we ought to be working together. Let's have a meeting. Yeah, I like that. I, I think that that's really good. So that's more of a direct style. Now, you wouldn't do that, you know, that use that approach with me if you didn't already like have some relationship with me, right? Yeah, this is for people you know fairly well, exactly. right? Not best friends necessarily. Just wanted to clarify that because I don't want advisors going to different groups and say, hey, you, <laughs> your driver, personality, we should be doing some business. Yeah, but on yeah. the same token, it works. And you know what, what the way it works? And Matt, it, you know, Matt, the way he would do it, it's just my, my guess. Matt's not a financial advisor, but my bet would be, having been with him on plenty of sales opportunities, that he, he would be direct with you, but with a smile that made it more comfortable. That's true. So you'd have a way of saying, hey, Kevin, we've never worked together. We ought to have a meeting. Yeah. And even worst case, you might say no, or let me check with Michelle, but you wouldn't be like, I'm never gonna talk to that guy again. Right, that's Because right? that's he's friendly. That's um, true. There's a way to be direct, but friendly. I'm still working on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, okay, I like that. So relatable stories, just a direct approach, right? Another approach is something that we coach to, and it's called a redirect. Um, we use an ARM dialogue mo model to describe this when I say ARM, A-R-M, and how it works, it, it, this is a little bit more nuanced. It takes a little bit of, of training and practice, I think, to get this skill down. But the idea is this, right? I'm out socially, I know Steven. Steven, let's say, always asks me a question about the markets, the economy, a particular stock, what do you think about crypto, what do you think about this, blah, 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 right? And I could take that question from him, and if I use that ARM dialogue model, I can turn it into an opportunity for myself by doing that. And again, this is, it's really effective because it's, it, in his, from his perspective, he should feel like he solicited the conversation, right? But what do we do instead, like in those conversations, right? We, you know, when, when someone says, hey, what's going on with the markets right now? Or gosh, did you see this correction? What do you think about this? Like, what do we typically do? I think oftentimes when you're posed a question about something you're really knowledge, knowledgeable about, you tend to go on at too much length. Yeah. Like, you know, think if somebody were to ask us about financial advisors or coaching or social media, you know, what's new in Facebook, the tenants would be like, well, here's the, you yeah. know, talk uh, to you about it's hard not to, budget right? optimization. Yeah, it's hard right. not to. But yeah. I, I think the right tactic is to think in advance about all this, that in advance you're thinking, this is the setup for an opportunity. Right. So going forward, I'm gonna work harder at being able to convert that conversation from being on this really broad topic to something that might be more productive for me. So it might start uh, with generally, here's what we're seeing in the markets. A couple of sentences, nothing more. And that would be in our mo model, the A. Yeah. We acknowledge what they're saying. Yeah, the redirect would be shifting gears a little bit, talking about how this is affecting our clients. Right. Hey, here's what we're doing with our clients. Yeah. And then the hardest part is the mini close, the M, where I'm saying to the other person, yeah, maybe we should be working together. Are you open to a conversation? Exactly. Yeah, a little bit of a, of a mini close, yeah. Uh, and we say mini close, we use that term quite often. Uh, we just, you know, sales is a series of small closes, right? So the close could be to get them out for a cup of coffee, right? Just to chat a little bit more about their specific situation. 
Yeah, um, so think about this, for example. Let's say we're at the pool. I've identified Kevin as my prospect. I'm the advisor, and I want to reel him in. If I take too big of a step, even if he's somewhat agreeable to meeting with me, I, I'm going to have some people who don't want to take a large step with me. So, for example, if I went to him and I said, hey, uh, I want to have you into the office next week. Gather up. Uh, I'm going to send you a list of the information to gather up. Uh, that might be enough of a hurdle for him not to come in. Oh, yeah. It, it would be. Without right. a doubt, right? We're having somewhat of a casual conversation, and then all of a sudden you're turning it into this like discovery meeting, right? Yeah, discovery meeting. Let's loop in your accountant on this. Um, whereas instead, I might try to keep it as small of a close as possible. So I might say, would you uh, be open to me giving you a call next week, and let's talk through at least initially what we may be able to do. Yeah, and that'd sure. be, that would be a mini close. The next yeah. step may be a video call or an in-person meeting, yeah. uh, taking it a step further. but. The way we you know, take little baby steps, we get more people willing to commit to them. So with that approach, with this redirect approach, we acknowledge what they're saying, we redirect the conversation to what we're doing with our clients, and then we go for some sort of mini close at the end. Hey, lo love to grab a cup of coffee with, me, with you and talk about what's important to you and, and Heidi right now, right? What, do, what you guys are thinking. Um, the other question we, we love for a mini close is, um, can I make a suggestion? And sometimes we, we, we coach to this. So, we're, we're, we're chatting, we're having a good conversation about whatever Stephen wants to talk about. And then I say, you know what, can I make a suggestion? And then most of the time Stephen's gonna say, sure. Sure, yeah. I mean, very rarely you're gonna get someone who says, depends upon what the suggestion is. If you is. know somebody really well, they know what you're up to and they're like, what's, what's this, you want, you want me to help <laughs> yeah. you move something? Or so like, I love it because it's an easy response question. You're gonna say, yeah, sure. Why don't we get together next week? Let's, let's grab a cup of coffee, on, on a, are you free on Tuesday? Let's just chat more about it. That's it. Like I would go for an assumptive close at that point. After he says, I get that agreement from him that, yeah, can I make a suggestion? Sure. Let's do this. Right. I don't say, do you want to do that? I don't ask another question. I say, let's, let's, uh, let's meet up next week. I think sometimes we, and I know that we've talked often about the power of questions. I think we can also blow it sometimes with questions mm. because I, I'm just thinking through some of the dialogue that we often hear when we practice this and role play it with financial advisors. And oftentimes it, they, they feel more comfortable instead of saying to them, would you ever, would you be open to having a conversation with us just over a cup of coffee? Or would you be open to a phone call and let's talk further about this? You know, can I share with you what I do professionally? Like those are quick open, you know, quick closed ended questions mm -hmm. that get what we're after. We want commitment on a meeting. We can also blow it by asking questions like, uh, what you know? What is it that your current financial advisor is telling you? Right. How uh, if you could change one thing about your current advisor, what would that oh, be? Oh, I was just thinking about that question because I've gotten that one. And I, I hear, I get the logic. I hear that from people, and they're like, "Well, we want them to open up and talk to us more about it." But I'm like, at the same time, we don't want to go down this circular path here. We want this to end up in an opportunity. And if you start well, some of those posing, questions are hokey, though. I think. Yeah. To me, like I, I think of worst case scenarios with the stuff that we're teaching today, that is very direct and simple. I ask you if you would like to have a meeting with me. If you say no, I can get out of that gracefully. I can change the subject, I can whatever. Mm -hmm. um, if I come at you with this contrived set of questions about what you value in life, about things you could change about your financial advisor. Especially they, early I'm, on in the process. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah this, all those questions can be fine down the road. Yes. But initially when I'm selling to you, not only can I not get the opportunity, I can make you think differently of me going forward. True. I can say for me, this is a pet peeve of mine, so forgive me for the tangent for a moment, but when I get, when people start asking me contrived questions uh, about things that I know they've pre-planned, that they don't really care about the answer, that they're trying to sell to me, it drives me insane yeah. and I won't talk to them. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't mean to be that cold about it. Not like if it was a good friend of mine, I wouldn't talk to him again. But if somebody comes at me with like, 
So Stephen, if there was one thing that you'd need help on with your business, or something that feels super contrived, I, know, I can't exactly. handle it. I know what you're talking about. So if you just Google, um, you know, best networking questions. Oh yeah. You're gonna run into just a ton of these. That a are perfect th list of things you should never say. Yes, I, I agree. I, it is going to be questions like, so what's the one thing you're focused on in your business right now? It is absolutely gonna be that kind of that kind of garbage. You're like, so tell me, outside of work, what do you enjoy doing? It's like just, I don't know. I, I, I don't like those questions, they're not natural. And people can feel, feel that they are memorized and I don't know, it, it just defeats the purpose. It does. So as you're kind of thinking about the recipe that we're talking about today, it's 99% being a normal human being in the community. Ooh, that's good. A friendly, nice person, 99% uh, of it. And so, then 1% of the time, we're saying, be courageous enough to tell somebody you'd like to work with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah to ask that one one question or to, to go for that clo mini close, right? Yeah. That's, I like that, 99%. So just focus on being a normal human. human yeah, that's being. harder for some people than others, mind yeah. you. I mean, well, especially it, when there's a lot of sales training too, that would be, you know, here's the question you ask, here's the next question you ask, here's this, and then now you go for a close. Or when we were talking about like how many interactions until you can approach someone, it's like how many, licks until you're at the bottom of the Tootsie Pop. Do you remember those commercials? Yeah, I didn't yeah. know you'd weave that in today. I don't know I would. Um, but yeah, <laughs> if you think about some of the people, Kevin, that we've encountered who are really good at social prospecting, they're people who are super involved in the community in really genuine ways yep. through their kids, through charitable organizations that they're passionate about, through exercise, stuff they really like doing. And they had the ability, 1% of the time, to say, hey, I'd like to work with you. Are you open to it? Yeah, I, I would say, um, what like let, let's talk about this okay so we talked about different approaches we talked about the mindset how do we get out of these conversations if they don't go the way that we want them to go so we're we're in a scenario and they said oh no 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 i'm working with so and so they do a great job for us i appreciate it but i'm good like what makes it salesy like what you know and, and what we see sometimes is that people just don't take no for an answer yeah i mean let's let's go back to kevin some of your dating days because i know there was <laughs> like a, a fair amount of rejection. I was, and you know, for, we're drawing parallels here. I was the, uh, I was the one who said like, they're just, they're come to me, you know, like <laughs> they'll, they'll come to me when, when the timing is right. So when someone said not into you, <laughs> what was your best way to overcome? But see, there is a lot of parallel, not to Kevin, uh, but just in general, yeah. there's a lot of parallel there between having a, a, you know, confident direct approach and being able to leave things on good footing, even if the answer is no. Yeah. Right. So if I ask you if you want to do some business with me and you're like, nah, not really. Or I get the sense that you're kind of saying no. Yeah. I mean, saying I need to check with my spouse is pretty much a no. Oh, like I'm washing my hair. Or like yeah. going on. <laughs> or if I'm like, yeah, Kevin, are you open to that? And you say, no, I want to get out of that as quick as humanly possible. Right. I want to talk about something else. Our kids are yeah. weekend. Yeah. It's not that hard, right? It, so you know, think about it this way, like ripping off a Band-Aid. If you're approaching somebody that you like to do business with, we want to get into and out of that conversation as quick as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. And we are the ones, the salesperson is the one who has the power to make it awkward. Yeah. So if I build up, if I see you in the neighborhood and I'm like, Kevin, hey, good to see you. You know, we've lived beside you for, gosh, 11 years now. And think a lot about you and Michelle and the, the family here you're raising. and. I don't want this to be weird, but I, I was but wondering if- you already made I've already weird. made it weird. He's already backing yeah. away. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I think you're, you're, you're spot on there. And 
And also the person who combats it, like, so, so let's say that I say, yo, you know what, I've been working with so-and-so for a long time, blah, blah, blah. And then you come back and, you're, and you start saying, well, what all are they doing for you? Have they done this for you? Have they done, like, it's like, all the, you're challenging me. Um, when, when we did research on, on the affluent, on what makes someone come across as salesy, it was aggressive follow-up. So that so in that example too, you'd be calling me a week later and saying, "Hey, by the way, like you you wouldn't you put me on your drip list? Like I am a prospect in your mind, and at that point, I just want to avoid you. Like I'm trying yeah. to. I see you at the, at the pool, and I'm like, oh gosh, there's Steven. There he oh, is. To, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's true though. It is. Um, so so not taking no for an answer would be one. So being able to like going go in and know how you're going to get out. And if and if someone says I'm working with someone and I think they do a really good job. And we're really happy. One, we like to ask, well, who, who do you work with? Might get a little bit of intel there. Yeah. By the way, that can be super telling. Like you never know what their response is gonna be there. And sometimes they can't even think of the advisor's name. But then the other one is to say like, hey, that's, that's great. Like, I think everyone should have a good financial advisor. If anything ever changes, you know, you know, I'm happy to be a resource for you or something yeah, like so, that. So coming into that, you pre-planned the approach and you pre-planned the exit. Yes. And the exit on on two channels, right? If the exit is they were willing to have a meeting with us, let's schedule it. Yeah. If the answer is no, let's get out of it quickly, the same way we got in. I like that. Yeah, and it gives you more confidence going in if you know how you're going to get out, right? Like, I because I think that's part of some of the anxiety here is like I don't know what's going to happen, and if you know that they're going to give you a no, then you you know what you're going to say and change the subject. That's fine. I think the other thing that advisors do sometimes is they now that person that I was prospecting is dead to me. Like I, I was, I was at the club and I had my eyes on this person and I finally got the guts and I approached them and they said, "Hey, I'm good. I'm not really interested right now." And now I don't talk to them anymore. Yep. Yeah. Right. They're, they're you know, they're, they're of no importance to me, which is a huge mistake. Yeah. Again, you want to be 99% a normal person. Yeah. And that's not what a normal person would do. Yeah, but you, something might change in that person's life totally. too. I've heard you say this before, Stephen, that second place isn't a bad thing in the in these scenarios, right? Get a lot of second places going because you never know when their retire their advisor might retire or change firms, right? Or get out of the business, and then all of a sudden, you sitting over there in second place, Ricky Bobby. Yeah, the opposite of the Ricky Bobby. Yeah, that's the opposite of Ricky if Bobby. You're, if you're in second, uh, not that. I, I use that wrong, but I was just thinking Ricky Bobby when I hear second place. If you're not first, you're last. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but with We're that, saying, hey, Ricky Bobby, man, it's okay being second. Yeah, hey, you rack up a lot of points. Uh, <laughs> No, but, uh, but I do think as you're interpreting today and you're thinking about taking action on what we're talking about here, there is only one measurable. And that is, do you work up the courage to approach people that you know socially or don't you? Mm. And if we were coaching you, shameless plug, we know the difference between Ooh. opportunities falling in your lap occasionally, an upgrade of a client, uh, somebody approaching you about doing business versus you being proactive and asking for the order. That's because true. we hear people report in on that. Oh, we had some good opportunities this week. It's like, oh, what happened? Well, this client decided to upgrade. Well, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, we're or so-and-so sent us a referral and we did nothing to encourage that referral. It just happened, right? Fell in our lap. So you're talking about the number of approaches, right? We, we wrote an article. This is probably like four or five years ago at this point now for wealthmanagement.com. And it was entitled, The Most Important Metric You Could Track This Year. And it was exactly what you're talking about, right? It's how many times per month am I asking someone to discuss business with me? And I'm not, I'm not doing the, um, the easy way out here. So the easy way out is, is uh, hey, Steven, you ever want someone to take a look at your situation? 
let me know. Have you, you've heard that one before, right? Tons, never works. Never works, right? It's like, hey, you wanna go to lunch? Let me know. All right, sure thing. We're not going to lunch. We ought to get together sometime. Yeah, so we I'm, should. So it's like the number of times I'm actually saying, I wanna sit down with you and have a conversation. Yeah, it's very hard, but very rewarding. Yep. Stay tuned, everybody. We're on a roll here. We're gonna keep producing shows. We've got episode number 100 looming here. Yeah, we, you know, when we started this, I remember you can go back and watch some of these these older shows. I said something like, how many are we gonna try to get to? And I said, we're gonna try to get to 100. And you were like, that's a lot. And we're almost there. It's only taken a little bit of time to get there. <laughs> that's hey, true. That is true. Anyway, we're having fun with it. Thanks, everybody, for joining.